0: help this along right uh, a couple things first of all something i failed to mention um and if i don't do it now i'll continue to forget the uh giving envelopes for 2022 are available for you to pick up out by the welcome center uh do me a favor if you will there's a lot of people who are giving online right now or through texting which is awesome it's fantastic if you could go back there and draw just scratch your name out, draw a line through your name, says hey look i don 't use envelopes anymore i don 't need envelopes anymore. keep your dog on envelopes i don 't want them uh, whatever you want you know, just just scratch those out um, that would actually help us out a whole lot, so if you could keep that in mind, okay ever uh every year we have the uh, <clears throat> oh, celebrate Christmas with our family and our church family here. And I enjoy it every year. I, I, I love it. I think it's just a great time of year and a great thing to do. But but this year particularly was very, very special. Last, last week, I didn't get a chance to say anything about this, so here we go. Last week, I loved it. I loved listening to the kids sing. I loved uh, watching it online. I loved all the involvement of, of volunteers putting this thing together and, and, and doing that. Um, I shared a little bit with you uh, on Christmas Eve. I just had an incredibly uh, peaceful uh, feeling when uh, I was listening to this and, and watching this. And so I really appreciate that. I appreciate what the kids have done. And and I thought that went very, very well, uh, Ann and, and Laura. Um. Uh, but as well as Cammie put all that together, and, and so I sure appreciate that. Every year, we try to go Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. And we've done this from when I was just very, very young. Uh, Dad and I would go, and then the girls started going with us, and, and, and we would go Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. Uh, now, this year, we didn't get a chance to do that. But, who knows, we'll probably pick it up again next year. But every year, most years, by the time we would get to Christmas Eve, I wanted to make sure that I actually had all of my necessary Christmas shopping done. I I, I didn't want to actually have to look for anything. I didn't want to actually have to purchase anything, because I... Look, I don't know how you do it, and how you do it's fine, but if you do all your Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve, and you really do have to get something, you're in a lot of trouble, all right? And, and I, I don't know about you, but it, I, I don't think I would enjoy the process, I don't think I would enjoy the trip, if I really did have to make a purchase for somebody. You see, I get to enjoy the food and the candy. I get to enjoy the company and the walking around. I get to enjoy going to get pizza and all this stuff. I get to enjoy that, but I don't actually have to get something. And while you're doing, see, this is a great place to be. This is a fantastic place to be, especially if maybe you're picking, you don't have to pick up anything, or maybe you're picking up one small item, you know, tiny little bottle of perfume or something. It's a great place to be because you will look around at the mall or the wherever you're going shopping, and everybody's running around. Everybody's crazy. And it's just like ants running all over the place. You know, and parents yelling at their kids, keep up, come on, this is Christmas, you know, let's go. You know, people trying to, and they're laying down the plastic and all this stuff and carrying boxes of this stuff and kicking one along down the aisle as they're going. You know, all of this, and, and you're just strolling. This is your Christmas shopping. Just looking at the lights, looking at the decorations, looking at the crazy people walking by. This is your Christmas shop. I tell you, when you've got things the way they need to be, when you've gotten to that place and that point where you've got it set in your life, your mind, your heart, there's a lot of unrest and you notice it. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of speed, a lot of, a lot of unrest, a lot of moving around. But with you, it's a pretty peaceful time. It's pretty peaceful. And you get to see the beauty. You get to have the fun. You get to enjoy the experience rather than just barely keeping up. That's peace. It's peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you've given us. We thank you for the love that you show us every single day. We thank you, Father, for this chance, this opportunity right here to worship, to be in 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 this place, remembering Jesus, focusing on the peace that Jesus brings to our lives. I thank you, Father, that there are those in our in our family here who are who are away, they're traveling, they're going all kinds of places, Father. I thank you that they get to be a part of of worshiping Jesus every day, and I ask that you watch over them as well. I thank you, Father, for our lesson today. I ask that you will open our hearts and our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I did not, in one of the (coughs) rare cases, when I didn't go through this beforehand, so you and I are hearing this for the first time, um, I'll probably be impressed, I'm guessing. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Sometimes, church, sometimes we think of peace as nothing negative happening, right? Just nothing negative happening. And that's what we relegate peace to. Yesterday was a mess. I have no idea what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm a little concerned about it. I'm a little worried about it. But right now, I have peace. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's not just the absence of some bad things happening. Sometimes we think peace is rest. We think of peace as lack of disagreement. We think of peace as the absence of intentional hostility. I hate somebody and they hate me, but we're not actively trying to kill each other right now, so we have peace. No, you don't. You just have a break in the negative action. You don't have peace, you have a truce. All right. There's a big difference. Sometimes we go through life trying to have a truce with life. Trying to have a truce with bad things. Trying to have a truce with negative things, or a truce with difficult seasons or people. And we try to go through life just having a truce. Not peace. Not peace. The angels heralded peace on earth the day Jesus was born. And if you're anything like me, the first time you hear that, you ask the question, so where is it? Where is it? You know, if they're going to tell me that there's peace on earth, these are angels, I can, I can probably trust the message they're going to bring. Where is this peace? Do I have it? Do I have it and it's just not as good as I thought it was? Can I find it? Why don't I have peace? If I know that I don't have peace, why don't I? <clears throat> is it a feeling or is it an actual state of being to be at Peace. If it's true, what must I do to recognize it? All of these questions are questions that I have asked myself, perhaps you have asked as well. And I want to address today what peace actually is in Scripture, and there's really three different kinds of peace, three different kinds of peace that Scripture talks about. You can can think of it that way, it just makes it easier for me to think of it that way. Three different kinds of peace that Scripture talks about. If we're going to do that, we have to start at the beginning. God... Gave Adam and Eve a choice. Gave Adam and Eve a choice. Yeah, this is the beginning. I told you it was the beginning, all right? We're going to start to begin. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. Obedience to what is good or rebellion against what is good. Well, how do we know what good is? Well, God determines what good is. There's nothing bigger than God. There's nothing that sets the rules for God. What He wants, that's good. What He doesn't want, that's bad. They were given a choice, obedience to what is good or rebellion against what is good. Adam and Eve chose rebellion. And before you start thinking that this was just such a foolish move, that these people are crazy and that you wouldn't have done something like that, remember, it's the same choice that you and I are given every single day by virtue of the fact that we are human beings. We have the same choice every moment that we, as soon as we get up in the morning, you've got the same choice that Adam and Eve had. Either to obey, either to be in step with the Spirit, or rebel against it. God says, and then what do we do? God says, what do we do? How do we respond? And that rebellion from Adam and Eve spiraled out of control from there. How bad did it get? Ask Noah. That's how bad it got. Genesis chapter 6, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart, think about this, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That's how bad it got. Evil all the time. And I don't know how long, I don't know what the process in every person's life that leads them to think about evil stuff all the time. But that's the process. So the Lord said, I'll wipe them from the face of the earth, the human race that I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures moved move along the ground. I regret that I've made them. But Noah, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But it didn't stop there. The bad infection was already there. After Noah, it didn't take long until Babylon, used even in the revelation of Christ as an example of total evil. And it went on and on and on and on. Do you think it got any better with Abraham and the Israelite people? Read the Exodus story. It gets worse. Read Judges. Read Judges, but only if you're in a good mood. Because I got to tell you, if you read Judges in a bad mood, you're going to come away from there just totally depressed. It is a dark, dark book in Scripture. Read Judges. Read First and Second Kings. It doesn't get any better. It continues to get worse. Without the intervention of God, it would certainly be worse than Babylon. Bottom line is this. We have separated ourselves from the very thing that created our lives. We've separated ourselves from the very thing that gives life, sustains life, and ushers in peace to our life. There's a lot of people in this world separated from the one that gives peace. And they wonder why they go through life without peace. They wonder why they go through life never content. They wonder why they go through life filled with anxiety and animosity. They don't revere God. They don't obey God. They don't listen to God. They don't believe the one that loves them unconditionally. And then they can't figure out why. They don't have any peace in this world. They don't have any peace in this life. We separate ourselves from God. There is no peace between man and the creator of man. There is animosity, there is betrayal, hatred, disobedience, rebellion, and finally death. That's what happens when you separate yourself from that which created life, gave life, sustains your very soul. Yet through it all, for some reason, and I can't figure this one out yet, for some reason, God did not give up Completely. He didn't abandon his creation completely. I mean, he sends the flood and yet there's still Noah. Babylon is as bad as it gets and he doesn't send down a fire and brimstone. He separates the people. Hey, go to your different rooms. Go to your different. He doesn't give up. He told through prophets, through revelation, that one day someone would come to bring peace. And here's the catch. It is peace between God and a rebellious creation. Someone's going to come to bring peace between God and a rebellious creation. The peace bringer must be in the likeness of the rebellious creation with no rebellion in his heart. Now let's look at what the angels say in Luke chapter 2. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Now, in our minds, sometimes we stop reading there. In our minds, we don't pay attention to the rest of the message. We stop right there. The angel said, Jesus is born and on earth, peace. Well, that's not what the angels said. That's not the message they were to give you and me. That's not the message that we learn throughout the Gospels, throughout the rest of the letters, throughout the New Testament. They continue with the message, On earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. That's where the peace goes. That's where the peace goes. That's who that peace is for. That's who that peace is given to, those on whom His favor rests. This is an important distinction because it's only then we begin to realize that the angels were telling the truth, okay? I realize there's not a lot of peace around the world. In other words, the angel said, look, some of you, some of you are going to be restored into peace with God some of you are not." That was the message. Some of you are going to be restored into peace. You're going to be brought back around the Father's table. Some of you are not. Why why some and not all? Well, God's got this this habit of giving us the chance to choose. I don't know why He does it. We seem to mess it up a lot. But He allows us to choose. He allows you and me to determine whether or not we want to accept this invitation or reject it. That's why the angels said, there's going to be peace to those on whom His favor rests. Not peace in the lives or between God and man with everyone, but to those on whom His favor rests, those who accept this peace, those who accept this mediator, those who say, yes, we are being restored to the life giver, favor rests. I don't know what favor rests means exactly, we may say to ourselves, but I want it. It sounds good. You know, we've seen the word favored in another part of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married To a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. You've probably heard this one before. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The word favored here means you who are full of grace. You have received, you have accepted the full measure of grace that God gives to you. Now, where does this peace come from? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth and end to the violence, rebellion, and hostility and be invited back to the Father's table to those who receive the full measure of grace poured out to God by you. They didn't say it that way because it took up too much time, but there it is. How do we do that? How do we have this peace between God and man? Because I'm telling you, there is a very real separation There's a very real separation between our Creator and the creation. This grace is being poured out. This leads to peace between me, a very rebellious person, and God, the one who sustains my very soul. This peace leads to life. So how do I receive this grace? Colossians chapter 1, Paul explains, (coughs) For God was pleased to have all of His fullness, all of His godness, dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus... To reconcile to himself, bring back to himself all things through Jesus. Through Jesus. Not through believing in God. Not through being a nice person. Through Jesus. God's reconciling you, bringing you back, bringing you back to the table, reconciling all things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight. Without blemish, free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope. Held out in the gospel. I have peace with God if I accept the gift of Jesus Christ. There is no more war between us. There's war between man and God. But now there is peace through Jesus. He is the mediator. If I do not accept this peacemaker, I'm still in rebellion. And rebels have no place around the Father's table. Jesus is the Creator, becoming the creature, living the life of the perfect creation, fulfilling the perfection of God for you and me. He paid the price for you and me, and now He stands for us, intercedes for us, quite literally advocates for us, and I guarantee you the Son is not denied. He goes to the Father in your place. And God never says no to the Son, ever. You're a very fortunate person. You're a very blessed person if you've accepted that. And if you haven't, you're a tragic figure. We might as well start saying our goodbyes now because we're not going to live together forever. Jesus represents you if you allow Him to. This peace between God and man. Therefore, since we have been justified in Romans 5, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand, on whom His favor rests. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. But this peace between you and God should usher in a second peace. I think it's going to usher in a second piece. Yeah, we got time to usher in a second piece. This piece <clears throat> between you and God should usher in a second a personal piece of the heart and mind. Personal piece. You see, we were destined for two things. That's it, two things. Number one, if I believed in God, I was destined for eternal damnation. What? That's not right. That can't be right if I believed in God, I was destined for eternal separation. Yes, if I believe in God. Why? Because I'm going into rebellion with my eyes wide open. And that was the result, separation. This is one of the scariest things that you're going to face. This is one of the scariest things when you think about your friends and your family. When you believe in the existence of God and reject the gift of Jesus Christ, you are storing up wrath for yourself. That's all you're doing. All you're doing is making it worse. That's it. And I'll tell you, friends and family and people, I I know, you know, I'm going to live eternal. I'm going to live in this some sort of utopian bliss because I believe that there's some sort of creator God brother, you're just making it worse. You're just making it worse because you are still in rebellion. But the difference between you and those who don't believe in God, you are in rebellion with your eyes wide open. You are choosing rebellion. So that's one. If we believe in God, what am I destined for? Eternal separation, damnation. Number two, if I don't believe in God... I was destined for a life of uncertainty and fear and meaninglessness associated with it because that too leads to everlasting separation. But thankfully, we have seen there's a third option. Accept Jesus. Go home. Just go home. The world's a mess. Your mind can be a mess. Your heart can be a mess. You can be away from the Father's table. You can be struggling here and trying to find the answer there. Just go home. The door's open. The table's set. You go home by accepting the invitation of Jesus Christ. This is what the entire message of the prodigal son was about, or the ever-loving father is really the better title for it, was about. We were in rebellion. There's people here in rebellion. Out in the world, try to figure it out. And finally, when he comes to his senses, what does he say? I'm just going to go home. I'm just going to accept the invitation. I don't even care if I'm a servant in the home. I'm just going to go home. Because it's better than here. We have this unrest every day in our minds, in our lives. So many people of this world, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what my value is. I don't know if I'm important or not important. I don't know if this is good or bad. I don't know if I'm going to live eternally or not. I don't know what happens after death. I don't know whether. Just go home. Stop it. Just accept what Jesus says and get on with life. Because I got news for you, if you don't accept what Jesus says, you're going to miss a lot of the neat and fun things that you could be experiencing. People walk around as though every day is one big chore. Would you just accept the love of Jesus and live your life? This is peace, this is this internal peace, peace within, not peace with me, but peace within me. Sometimes we don't have peace with us, and I don't blame you for that. I get embarrassed and angry over my sin. But peace within is the absolute certainty that Jesus loves me and He has saved me. The mind in Romans 8 governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. And finally, if I have peace with God and I have peace within myself, I can have, no, forget that, I must pursue peace with others. If I have peace with God through Jesus Christ, now I have peace within myself. Yep, tomorrow's going to be rough, but eternity's going to be wonderful. I have peace within myself. I must pursue peace with others. Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called cho- Are you a peacemaker? Hmm? When you think of yourself, and I'm not, I'm not talking about somebody who's you know, eloquent in speech, I'm not talking about somebody who, who, who's got all the answers and got this figured out, I'm not talking about an activist, I'm not talking about any of this stuff. When you see yourself, when you reflect, when you examine your life, your attitude, your mind, are you a peacemaker? Not at the expense of truth, but are you a peacemaker? Do you pursue peace based upon the above verse? I would care very much if I was a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the ones that are going to be called children of God. Pridefulness, which by the way is a word, I didn't think it was. Looked it up, it is. There you go. Pridefulness, violence, hostility, hatred, quarreling, gossip. That is the absolute opposite of being a peacemaker. Look, forget the excuses and the lies that we tell ourselves every day to justify these acts. When you think about stuff like that, do you really think for a second that that is someone who is a child of God? Someone who engages in quarreling, someone who engages in gossip, someone who engages in violence, walking around beating their chest. People like that make me sick. That's not, that's, that's not a child of God. Child of God is humble. Child of God is meek. Child of God is very strong. Child of God is pursuer of peace. You should care very much about being a peacemaker, and if you're not a peacemaker... If you don't care about being a peacemaker, if it means nothing to you, or even worse, if you are actively trying to cause quarreling, you need to ask yourself, what exactly do I believe? Because it is those who pursue peace that are the children of God. That should be scary as well. I think sometimes we go through life never really for sure knowing exactly what we believe. How do you know? You're going to see the fruits, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with His passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And you may say, I try, I try to be a peacemaker I try to be at peace with those around me, but they don't want to. They don't care about that. They don't care what I have to say. What if they don't want peace? Did we? Did we want peace? Romans chapter 5, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely is anybody going to die for a righteous person, though once in a while, look, you might find somebody that dies for a good person. But God demonstrates in verse 8 His own love for this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we didn't want peace, Christ ushered in peace. Gave us this peace between God and man. Jesus didn't ask our permission to pursue peace. You don't have to ask somebody's permission to pursue peace. He pursued it even unto death in the hope that some may accept it. That's our call. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Romans chapter 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible. As far as it depends on you, look, I get some things are out of our control and out of our hands. Paul realizes that. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peace, we see, is not just the absence of immediate conflict, but it is a God-given charge of every man, woman, and child who claims to be God's children. Peace is is reconciliation between God and man, and peace is a state of being. I am at peace because of the love of Jesus Christ. So can we do all this? Is it possible? It is possible. It's not easy, but it is possible. I closed Christmas Eve with with this, and I, I... this is where this is why this is how peace is ushered into our lives and sometimes we take a verse like this and we throw it away. We say this verse is not important to me. I don't care what God has to say here. He's clearly wrong. I'm going to try another way. And still peace begins to elude us. So how do we tap into how do we understand how do we realize this peace? Why is it that you can look at people who have peace in their lives, in their minds, in their hearts, no matter what's happening around them. And then you look at people who seem to have everything and are completely filled with anxiety and unrest. This verse right here, start doing it. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests, present yourself to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever right, whatever is pure, whatever' is lovely, whatever is admirable, these are all good things. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about these things. Whatever you've learned or seen or heard from me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you give us. We thank you for the peace that you give us. We thank you, Father. Father, I would ask, I would ask that right here today, right now, As your servant Paul wrote this down, your word, Philippians 4. Father, I would ask that everyone in this room begin to dwell upon that verse, begin to dwell upon that passage, to leave this place. And this may be, Father, I realize, the worst day of their life. That they leave this place and they dwell upon those words. Your word is so powerful. It it, it guides us, it directs us. it gives us this full meaning and value and purpose. Father, help us. Help us to pursue peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and say. it. I don't have anything else for you. Uh, There's nothing going on this afternoon. You can just go home. That's weird. That seems strange. Uh, But I do remember love joy, hope, peace. Love as well. Kick that in there. This is not just a Christmas thing, guys. This is your whole life and it is meant to define the believer in Jesus. If joy, hope, and peace does not define the believer in Jesus, why would you want to believe in Him anyway? Right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the salvation of Christ. We thank you, Father, that, yes, this is a fallen world. But we know the end of the story. We believe the end of the story. We believe that Jesus died for us, rose again for us. We believe that we are imperfect and need a perfect Savior. And we believe that Jesus loves us. Father, help us to carry that joy, that hope, that peace throughout our lives, certainly beyond this season. In Jesus' name.